Welcome to China Horse Business, the one and only podcast focusing on the booming horse market in China, bringing to you by two experts of Chinese equine industry, Zoe King and Jojo Wang from Shanghai and Hong Kong, introducing China to the world. Hi, Jojo. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Quite busy between raising and studying. How about you? I'm okay. I went to Beijing last weekend for a business trip. Beijing is getting quite cold. Autumn is here. Right. The autumn racing season started on the seventeenth of October in Wuhan. Let's bring our listener to the Wuhan race day in today's China news. Sure. For the first racing day of the autumn season in Wuhan, five races are composed of four thoroughbred races and one local bred race. Important racing clubs and owners such as Yulong, Mengjun, Jinghuaxing brought their best horses to Wuhan for the autumn season. The prize money is fixed at fifty thousand RMB per race. The race day attracted over four thousand spectators. In the past season, from April to July, Wuhan organized seven race day in total, and horse owners are expecting five more race day for this autumn season. Wuhan race course has strongly affected by COVID. In 2020, 20 racing days were scheduled in Wuhan, but due to the COVID, the race course was totally blocked down, and the races were suspended. We introduced Wuhan race course and its Boquan Training Center in episode 14 of season one. Zoe, in the same episode, you also interviewed Roy Soverino. A horse trainer from Australia and worked for Yulong Race Cup in preparing the race in Wuhan. Yes, he told me how they overcame all difficulty in Wuhan during the lockdown and the darkest moment of COVID. It is very meaningful to keep this historical record. Guys, you can go back to episode fourteen of season one to listen to all this information relating to racing in Wuhan. All right, for China Club session today. Let's go to Beijing and see what's happening in Shiwu Equestrian Club. Founded in 2004, Beijing Shiwu held ten consecutive years of Jumping Grand Prix and contributed to the organization of Beijing Masters. Shiwu is an approved riding club of BHS with mostly individual horse owners and riders. The facilities in Shiwu are top-notch, including a well-equipped equine clinic. The club is basically reserved to horse owners, not open to public. In terms of competitions, Sherwood initiated the China Young Horse Sherwood Grand Prix in 2019, dedicated to Chinese breed horses from four to seven years old. This year, the third edition of the China Young Horse Sherwood Grand Prix was held last weekend, from October 21st to 23rd. Leave us message if you want us to cover this event in the next episode. Sherwood is owned and managed by Mr. Ruan Shu, a former pot star in China, becoming a professional rider. That's why Sherwood Grand Prix is supported by many of his celebrity friends, such as Yu Qian, Wu Jing, and Ma Weidu, which is very helpful for the competition to gain more exposure and influence on social media. For sure. Well, let's switch again our direction and head to Shanghai for our China story session. We had a nice chat with Rachel Zhang. 
She is a Canadian-born Chinese writer, currently coaching in Shanghai Yunchang Liu Equestrian Club. Hello, Rachel. How are you doing? Hi. Hey, Zoe. Hey, Jojo. I'm doing great. How are you, girls? Doing good. Doing good. <laughs> yeah. Good. Glad to check to you today. So, um, uh, Rachel, I know you for a while. You are a rider. Yeah. You're very passionate about horses. <laughs> so let's start from the beginning. How did you start to ride? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and yeah, so my name is Rachel, and I was born and raised in a small town in Canada. Um, on the west coast, and I moved to Shanghai at about 2015, and I started riding in Canada. And I kind of I grew up in a town where there were a lot of horse girls. <laughs> so I don't know if you've seen online. There's like the new kind of trend is like horse girls. That's kind of a thing now. And horse girls are you know those girls who are grow up crazy about horses. They love horses. All they want to do is talk about horses, and they doodle horses on all their notebooks. Um, so that was definitely me. And um, I and I started riding quite young because um, I think I went to a friend's birthday party and then mm-hmm. I saw horses and my mind was like, wow, I want to ride horses and I want to be around horses and I loved animals, but um, it was really, I mean, I fell in love with riding. And so I, I got into the saddle and then I just, I looked at my mom and dad and I said, I'm going to do this. This is it. And then they both looked at each other. They sighed and then they checked their bank accounts and they sighed again. And they (laughs) hoped and begged while I was on that pony that I would not choose riding. Um, And they promised me a pony at 12 years old because they thought that I wouldn't ride until 12 years old. But I did end up riding until 12. And (laughs) I've been riding since then. I never did end up getting my pony, unfortunately. Um, But that's how I started to ride. And I think I started it as a hobby when I was quite young, but then it went, it became something that I wanted to be a lot better at. So then I started doing the competitions in Canada and that was a lot of fun. So it really, it started there and it hasn't stopped since. Yeah. So when you came to China, a place, a um, country, uh, mm-hmm. which is different, totally different from where you grow up in Canada, uh, in terms of horse culture and and riding uh, practice, why and how you immerse yourself and find your way to ride again in China? Right. So that was actually a really difficult journey for me. And when I first came to China at in 2015, I, I was a student here. I was in um, I was in seventh or eighth grade. And I, you know, I knew that I wanted to ride horses. And for the first thing that I noticed was that the barns were a lot farther away. So I lived about 15 minutes drive from my barn in Canada, which is already not a, not an extremely close distance. That's actually mm-hmm. in Canada, 15 minutes drive is pretty far. But mm-hmm. in China, it was, I lived in Pushi in Shanghai and the barn was in Pudong. So that's like a one hour mm-hmm. drive. So um, in my mind, that was crazy. And the next thing was the price. It was a lot more expensive to ride in China. Um, And so, but you know, you know, my parents wanted to support me riding, which I really appreciate. And I did ride at my first club that I went to. It was very different. It did not look like a barn in Canada because the barn that I, that I rode at in Canada that I basically grew up in was massive. It was huge. The the barn itself was, was super large, but beyond that, there were huge grass fields everywhere grass fields mm-hmm. everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. There were paddocks, massive paddocks for the horses. Um, there were like grass fields where you could jump in, but there were just grass fields in general. There was so much space. But in China, there was a lot of concrete. It, everything looked very gray. And that was very 
odd to me. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, now, I mean, knowing Shanghai more, it makes sense because Shanghai is such a saturated city and it's hard to have, you know, those grasslands. Um, and I totally understand why the barns are so far now because you, you need yeah. to have that space for the horses. So that was very interesting for me. And the other thing was, it was a very, the entire culture of riding was really different. So when I started riding and I was a tiny, tiny human being, I was about six years old, five, six years old. And, uh, you know, they taught me how to um, tack up the horse on my own. And by the fourth or maybe fifth riding lesson, I could tack up my pony all on my own. I rode a small Mm -hmm. pony so Mm -hmm. I could get the saddle up on my own and I did everything on my own. And that's how I did it. So I would get to the barn an hour early. An hour is way too long, but you know, I got I got there an hour early. I'd brush all the horses. Um, if I need to feed them, I would feed them, and then I would give them water, and then I would take my time to brush them, and then tack them up and go ride. And then after I rode, you know, maybe for like a forty minute lesson, I would you know come off the horse, untack the horse, give the horse a bath if needed, uh, brush the horse again, you know, feed them, muck the stalls, whatever it was. But in China, uh, I mm-hmm. got to the barn. They had a horse all ready for me in the middle of the arena. And, you know, the trainer was standing in the middle of the arena, had the, had all the tack on. And, you know, I got on, I rode. And after about 45 minutes, I got off and then the trainer left with the horse. And I was kind of standing there like, oh, my God, what do I do now? <laughs> Which was, you know, I kind of felt I don't know. I didn't know if I should feel neglected or, or if I should feel like like a queen because this was such <laughs> different treatment. So now um, I, over just a couple of months ago, um, I was super fortunate to have met you, Zoe. And you connected me with a barn that needed a trainer um, called YCL, Yuan Chongyou, in Shanghai. And now I've been riding there and teaching there for the past couple of months. Um, and now I'm at the barn three times a week for, you know, four or five hours at a time, which is just amazing. <laughs> so so can you um, tell our audience a little bit more about the coaching routine in your club and and what do you do in lessons in in the China Equestrian Club? Like, do you do one on one writing lessons, or do you group do group lessons, or how do how does it different from Canada? My coaching routine here at YCL is I get to the barn at least half an hour early for lessons, but usually if I can come earlier, then I'll come earlier too. And because we are a pretty small barn, we have fourteen horses, and our team isn't massive. We have. Um, four Chinese trainers, and then we have, well, I guess now we have um, four or five uh, foreign coaches, including myself. So I get to the barn, and the first thing I do, I think, is I just check around for things immediately that need to be done. Sometimes this is things like filling up hay bales. That's always super important. Or if some of the horses need water, then you water the horses. Or if there's poop around the barn, <laughs> because horses poop, yeah. then you pick up the poop, right? So things like that as a precursor. And then uh, my students, I try to have them come at least 15 minutes early so they can help tack up their own horses. I mainly teach one-on-one lessons, and that's mainly actually the culture in China, I would say, is is these private lessons one-on-one. And so um, my students will come in, and I'll groom the horses with them or teach them how to groom the horses, make sure they know how to do it, make sure they know what they're doing. Um, they'll tack up the horses on their own as well and get everything ready. Then after that, we we go and we start riding. So we'll go into the indoor arena or the outdoor arena. In lessons, it depends on the level of the riders, but usually I go with novice or intermediate level riders. So 
and they, some of them are still on the lunch and some of them are just coming off the lunch. Yeah. And then we can have a lot of fun on the lunch as well with doing things like riding without stirrups or, you know, riding mm -hmm. with hands up in the air, uh, which is it's just great to to give them a feeling of the horse. And then after that, they can ride a little bit on their own um and they can learn how to control the horses steer the horses and you know i always like to end classes on a fun note as well so sometimes that's a little bit of bareback and the, and the students all love bareback and mm -hmm. that's a lot of fun so that's mainly what my one-on-one -on -one lessons look like cool and you know among our listeners there are many mm -hmm. maybe many um riders as yourself or coaches yeah. Uh, living overseas now that can, can be very interesting in uh, having the same opportunity as yourself to maybe coach to ride in China. They may be uh, a little bit afraid of the, the unknown or they can be concerned about the uh, culture or language barriers. What's, what's your experience and uh, what's your tips and advice for them? Right. So I totally understand. I totally understand that. And, you know, I, I also entering this new environment, it was a little bit intimidating for me too. And I'm speaking from someone who speaks Chinese <laughs> and it was, it was a little bit intimidating, but to be honest, at the end of the day, if you love horses, then there's very little that, that can go wrong, that you can do wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. If you love the horses, it's a matter of communicating with everyone. And in the horse world, everyone has a different opinion and no, and it's hard to say that one opinion is absolutely wrong. Discussions and these, these communication, um, these points of communication are all really good for us because it helps us learn more about the horses. And we're all coming at a perspective of let's do what's best for our horses and our riders. So a, a lot of open communication always with anyone and everyone and always having that mindset of, I want to learn and you know, learn, gaining new knowledge from different people. I mean, um, our, our coaches are phenomenal. These, there's, we have one um, German, she's kind of like a head coach for us. Um, and she's been riding for so long. She has so much experience and she's also still learning. And she learns from all the Chinese trainers too. And she, if I may say one last point as well, um, I think just in China, sometimes there's this, um, or correct me if I'm wrong, but sometimes I get this impression of, you know, Chinese riders are not good riders because of, you know, X, Y, and Z, or, you know, there's this different culture of riding, which means that the students are all different and the learning style is different. Uh, if you want to create this environment where horse horsemanship and horse welfare is different and the students care about the horses and they know so much about the horses and they love them and they want, um, they want to work with them and not, you know, against them then we're the ones who get to do that as the teachers, as the trainers. And I think that's probably the most rewarding part of training for me as a horse lover, as someone who loves horses. As you said, it's very uh, interesting and important for like to have foreign experts like yourself to be part of uh, the improvement and development of Chinese equestrian uh, communities. So because of you and thanks to you, your contributions, we together, we make the industry <laughs> grow better sure. and more healthier, you know. Sure. So I think it's a, um, a teamwork, um, a collaboration between China and the rest of the world. Exactly. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's it's a, such a new industry in China. So we are the ones who get to shape it and get to change it. We're at this very unique position and it's amazing. So, um, and I love what you guys are doing as well. So this is exactly what we need. 
Cool. Well, thank you, Rachel. Thank you for speaking with us thank today so and sharing with us. Of course. And then, yeah, keep going. Absolutely. Of course. Thank you guys so much for having me. It is very interesting what Rachel shared as her work as a coach in the Chinese club. In fact, many equestrian clubs in China are looking for foreign riders and coaches for part-time or full-time positions. Absolutely. We receive plenty demands like this. Foreign experts are particularly demanding because of the international travel restriction. So if you have friends who are currently in China and they are riders or coaches, Please let us know. We may find good positions for them in many cities in China. For those who are not in China yet, you can also contact us and send us your CV so that we can get in touch with you as soon as the border reopens. Yep, you will be on the top of our contact list. So please write to us at contact at wonder-host.com with your CV and all kinds of information. All right. We will see you again next Monday on China Horse Business. Please leave us comments on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you can find us. If you like our show, please help us to recommend it to your friends and colleagues. See you next week. This podcast is co-hosting by Zoe King and Jojo Wang. Powered by Wonder Horse, a business solution provider focusing on Chinese equine market and a bespoke equine community in China. In addition to this weekly podcast, we launch a monthly webinar called China Horse Business Life. The objective is to connect international stakeholders with Chinese decision makers. Four to five speakers will introduce their activity, products, surveys, and any other topics related to the equine industry within 10 minutes in English. This webinar is open to all Chinese audience, especially targeting equestrian clubs owner, professionals, rider, officials, and suppliers. This is a perfect opportunity for you to introduce your brand, products, and services to real Chinese audience and interact with them. You may find your partner, distributor, or clients in these webinars. If you are interested in making a speech in the webinar, please subscribe to our annual package, Business Pass which will allow you to speak once per semester in the webinar, along with many other premium benefits. A lower cost annual package, Connect Plus, is also available with some useful benefits. Please check them out on our website, www.wonder-horse.com slash podcast and in the show note of this podcast. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can subscribe it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any podcast channel by searching the name of our program, China Horse Business. We are also looking forward to meeting you in China Horse Business Live, a monthly webinar connecting international stakeholders with Chinese decision makers. Please feel free to leave us comment and recommend our program to your friends and colleagues. Spare the world and stay tuned.